As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, you guys. Hey, guys. I've had a couple coffees, so. Uh A couple coffees or a cup of coffee? Uh, I'll let you decide on that one. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I had one latte, ran out of milk, decided to just go iced coffee this time. Wow. My legs are moving and shaking. <laughs> I am but. I am ready to get the day started. All over it. All right. Well, this ought to be a very interesting. If you if you think that you've accidentally hit 1.5 on the speed, it's just Tori on coffee. <laughs> so there we go. It affects me so much. It's it does. crazy. Yeah. Me not, not so much. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um all right. Well, episode 220, y'all. What? Can you even believe it? I cannot even believe it. I know. It's crazy. Let's do let's do some trigger warnings. Yeah. We've got murder, child murder, rape, child rape, sexual abuse, child abuse, and strangulation. Dear God. This is a rough one. So again, as we, you know. If any of this you need to skip, we completely 100% understand. Yes. We also want to thank uh, somebody requested this case. We're not exactly sure. Could have been on Facebook, possibly. Yeah. If it's not on the suggestion form, then it's harder to keep a record of. So whoever you are, thanks. And thanks to Mark for writing it up. Yes. And I'm just going to go ahead and get into a little episode description. So in Houston, Texas, from 1986 to 1995, Anthony Allen Shore was responsible for the rape and murder of one woman and three children. Mm. He raped an additional girl but fled the scene afterwards and did not murder her. There is a very high likelihood that his crimes may have gone unsolved for years if he hadn't been turned in by his family for molesting his two daughters. He is known as the tourniquet killer because it was the method he used to murder three of his victims. Bitch. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Well, there's no getting around it. Yeah. Before we get into today's case, we want to just let you know that we've got even more content on our Patreon. And our Patreon is kind of like a sort of like a little membership area where you get some bonus content. You get some extra perks. You get some stickers. You know, you name it. And you subscribe financially and you get all that good stuff uh, included. Yeah. And honestly, your contribution is going to help us keep the lights on over here. So we want to thank you for that. Absolutely. So here's something that you could look forward to if you are a patron. Tomorrow, our murder mixtape drops and we're covering the murder of Jessica Johnson. It's referred to as a mysterious death or even a suicide by law enforcement, but we are calling it a murder. And literally, y'all will not believe how she was found. And unfortunately, law enforcement still believes that it was a suicide. You will not believe this. You have to listen. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. On Friday, we drop our third episode of the docuseries Worst Roommate Ever on Netflix that we're covering. And this one's called Marathon Man. Literally what some people will do for money is horrific. And this guy is still on the loose. And again, you won't <sighs> believe the jail time he got. I mean, it's just crazy. And right. what he did. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my gosh. So of course, on Sunday, we drop our weekly catch-up episode. We call it the T to the fourth power Y, which is some time to talk to you. But if it's typed out, kind of looks like titty. So uh, we call call it the titty sometimes, but we just talk about whatever comes to mind. It's just mm-hmm. a way to catch up with what we have going on. Um, mm-hmm. We talk yeah, about Yeah, if you life. want like our personal stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, we really don't talk about true crime there. It's just kind of a catch up what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we talk about past memories, all kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So if you want to get access to any of these episodes, head over to patreon.com slash killerqueenspod to join in on the fun. And if you want to be sure you never miss an episode, join our email list. Um, you can go to killerqueens.link slash email to join the list and be the first to know about all the fun happenings. Yes. So guys, we're going to get on to the case now. Anthony Allen Shore was born in South Dakota in June of 1962 to Robert, who went by Rob, and Deanna Shore. He was the oldest of three siblings and grew up with his two sisters, Laurel and Gina. When Anthony was born, Rob was stationed at an Air Force base in South Dakota, and his mother had been honorably discharged from the Air Force when she was pregnant with him. Rob would also be discharged a few years later, and the family relocated to California. This was the first move for the family, and before Anthony started high school, they would move eight more times. Goodness, that's a lot of moving. That's a lot. Rob worked, as he put it, quote, in computers before there were computers. He said that when he would get a better job offer, they would move. Given how new computers were at the time and how many businesses were beginning to incorporate them into their daily operations, Rob said there was no shortage of job offers. Deanna said that growing up, Anthony was extremely well-behaved, but hyper-competitive. He always had to be the best at whatever he did. From a very early age, Anthony gravitated to music, and everyone marveled at his ability to play pretty much any instrument he touched, from the piano to the trombone to the guitar, like literally everything. And when he was only five, he received notoriety from a local paper for playing a piece by Johann Sebastian Bach at a recital. Goodness. This is reminding me of It Takes Two. Yes. Chopin. I'm going to play something uh, by uh, Chopin. (laughs) (laughs) 
And as a kid watching that, I was like, where's the lie? Yeah. What's, what's the joke? Why is everybody laughing? Yeah. I don't. Like chop, I guess that's a funny name. Chopping. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of it by name. Yeah. Chopping. Chopping. <laughs> it reminds me of how we pronounce the Pepe sisters. The Papin sisters. I know. Pepe. Little dummies from Tennessee. And we're like, all right, we're talking about the Papins. <laughs> it's Pepe. Pepe. Yeah. Anthony was capable of getting straight A's all throughout school, but it wasn't the grades he was looking for. He wanted the praise and attention that came with making good grades. After he was in prison and was interviewed by psychologists, they noted that he couldn't really remember any of his teachers growing up who were nice to him, but he could remember every name of teachers he felt disliked him, saying he liked to get praise. Hmm. That's, that's one way to remember things. Sure. Where he excelled at music, his parents said that he was absolutely terrible when it came to sports. That didn't help him make friends when he was younger and they moved from place to place. Sports at that age were a great way for young people to bond and make friends, especially when they moved to a new area. Anthony's sisters didn't have any issues when they would move around. They were just able to make new friends with relative ease. But Anthony had trouble connecting with people. And Deanna said that when he was younger, he would cry easily. He was extremely arrogant, even for a child. And she said he liked to use big words. And Deanna gave an example of Anthony being in class and asking to go to the restroom by raising his hand and saying, I need to defecate. Hmm. Interesting. It is very interesting. I feel like knowing what we know about him now, it shows his, um, what's the right word? The way that he seemed to think that he was smarter uh-huh. and better. He has this need for superiority. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Deanna said that because of Anthony's attitude and the way he spoke to people, he would often get beat up in school. It was humiliating. And some of these were bad beatings. He didn't handle it real well. Well, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, In many cases of murderers or serial killers, there are signs in their childhood that point to what they would become. Many times you hear from people who knew them, you know, looking back, X or Y was a warning sign, but we didn't know, you know, until they were older. And that was the case with Anthony and his childhood. When he was five, the family moved to Kansas. Once there, he got in frequent fights with a neighborhood boy, Scott Beavis. Shut up, Beavis. Beavis and Butthead? Oh my gosh. (gasps) He also killed a neighbor's kitten when one of his sisters told him he couldn't play with it. That, mm. Five is a very early age to be getting in actual physical fights with other kids, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I think so. Like, it's not like they're just, like, playing and roughhousing. They were, like, getting into fights. Yeah. Squaring up with each other and being like, you know, let's take this outside. Yeah. Like, you're five. Mm -hmm. The kitten thing, I mean, how many times have we talked about the McDonald triad? Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really bad. It's terrible. I just don't understand how, I mean, I don't even really like cats, but, like. (gasps) But kittens? Well, kittens are precious. I need you to go watch that video, Kittens Inspired by Kittens, again. It's adorable. (laughs) Kittens Inspired by Kittens. (laughs) We are eating pepper and chips. (laughs) But, I mean, but even so, like, like, I'm saying, even if it's an animal that is, like, not my favorite because my face blows up when I encounter one, like, how do you kill something? How do you take the life out of Yeah, I just, I don't get it. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Gina told a story about their childhood as well. She said that they would ride their bikes around their neighborhood and Anthony would have Gina go knock on the doors of her friends' houses or houses where he knew girls lived and ask if they could come out and play. And then when the girls would come out, Anthony would harass and, quote, fondle them. Mm-hmm. And Gina said she stopped doing it when she knocked on one door and her teacher opened it. I mean, thank God that happened. But to be an accomplice for something so abusive yeah. had to have been really hard on her. Uh-huh. Yeah, that will definitely kind of jack you up. Mm-hmm. From the late 60s to the early 80s, the family continued to move from place to place, from California to Florida, and they eventually settled in Texas. During that time, Rob and Deanna began to fight, and the fights became more frequent and intense. Anthony claimed that both his parents began to have extramarital affairs when he was around 10 to 11 years old and then eventually divorced. Both Rob and Deanna said the other was responsible. Deanna claimed that Rob attacked her one night, and Rob said that during an argument, Deanna threw a beer mug at him, hitting him in the back of the head. After their divorce, Rob let Deanna have sole custody of their children because, quote, she could do a better job as a single mother than I could do as a single father. Mm. What about, like, joint custody? Right? I guess good on him for knowing that, because sometimes people just fight for the sake of fighting, and they want to have that like power over the kids or their their spouse. It's like a, you know, manipulative kind of using the kids as a pawn. Yeah. But at the same time, to completely step out as a father. Yeah. Again, I just don't understand, like, how do you have a child and then— Oh, I'll tell you. Okay, when a man loves oh, a woman— Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, I just didn't know where they came from. Thanks. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's where I thought you were going with that. I don't understand how you have a child and then even if your relationship doesn't work, how it doesn't kill you to not be with them, you know, like to just be like, eh, you you have them. Right. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about their kids as their heart outside of their bodies. Mm -hmm. And for you to just be like, I'll see you when you see, when I see you. Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, now is it like, 
you know, are there times you're like, I, I wish I could just have like, you know, I wish we were just on a break, you know, like just could I just have like one night where we have a babysitter, you know, go do something fun or whatever. Like, of course, you know, if you have joint custody, then you do have some, you know, nights where you can go and maybe do some stuff and take care of yourself and things like that. But, and, and if you are happy for those nights, you know, like, okay, it's nice to have some time to myself. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but just being like, nope. Yeah. I'll see you when I see you. Call me in 10 years. Like, right. I just don't get it. It's very Mm -hmm. difficult to fathom. Deanna moved back to California with the children, leaving Robin, Texas. Anthony also claimed that when he was 13 to 14 years old, his mother molested him, which was never able to be verified or substantiated. But he did say it, so. Anthony said that around 16 or 17, he started drinking with friends and smoking pot. (gasps) Not the pot. Not the pot. How many pots have you smoking? I know. Like, not marijuana cigarettes. Oh, no. Did he inhale? I hope to God he didn't. I hope he didn't. I know. At one point, he bragged that he and some friends attacked a homeless man behind a local grocery store and beat him to death. That's great. That's cool. Perfect. Yeah. Boys will be boys. Uh Uh-huh. What is wrong with you? That's not a brag. Like, no. Oh, gosh. It was also around that time that he started to stalk and harass girls from his class. Again, Anthony would use Gina as a lure in his activities. She said that she could remember them driving around in his car, cruising between bus stops, and if they saw an attractive girl, he would ask if she wanted a ride. And with Gina being in the car, the girls were like, okay, this is probably safe, right? It would put them at ease, and they would get in the car. That's when Anthony would, quote, remind Gina she had somewhere to be and drop her off. (laughs) And then after they dropped her off, Gina said she knows that he molested the girls he picked up, but... To him, it was no big deal because, quote, all the guys were doing it. Again, boys will be boys. I cannot with this. This is ridiculous. Also, Anthony, I don't know if you know this, sir, but there's a big fucking difference between picking up girls and sexually harassing them and assaulting them and picking up a girl that maybe you're dating and going somewhere and parking and consensually messing around. Right. Like if you're saying all all the guys certainly are not sexually assaulting every girl they come into contact with. It's just not possible that every single other person is doing this. No. So probably what he's referring to is all the guys are doing it is like locker room talk where it's like, oh, yeah, I totally made out, went to third base with uh so-and-so. Yeah. And, you know, either it's not true or it was more than likely, I think you know, consensual, but he's like, he's like, and it, well, it's fine. You know, they're doing it. Never mind that um, these girls never agreed to that with me. Right. I just have to wonder, did he never hear the age old saying, well, if your friend was jumped, jumped off a bridge, would you do it? Mm -hmm. Never mind the fact that it's not true. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. At 17 years old, he dropped out of high school. His mom remarried that same year, but he hated his stepdad so much so that he went through the process to be legally emancipated from his mother and worked two jobs to support himself. That's a real testament to how much he hated his home life. Really hated that guy. Yeah. So when Anthony was 21, he dropped out of community college in California and he moves back to Texas. And once he was there, he got a job with Southwestern Bell and he worked as a technician. And the job would have him in and out like about all over the place on calls, and he got to drive, like, a pretty sweet van. Mm. This was an awesome van, guys. Yeah. Van the van. 
Yeah. After he moved back to Texas, he claimed to have met the, quote, love of his life, who was Gina Worley. No relation to his sister, Gina. I know. Wouldn't that be weird? His family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, of course, that happens. Like, my sister-in-law dated a guy who has the same name as my husband. And it was confusing because if she mentioned him, we'd be like, which one? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Good thing funny. your husband's name isn't uh, Tori. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They were married quickly and within two years had two daughters and they were Amber and Tiffany. So after moving to Texas, Gina, not, it was the sister, not the wife. Uh-huh. She said that Anthony was still on the prowl and he would still cruise around the local high schools. High schools. He's high 21. schools. High schools. And try to get girls into his van. And, you know, this is happening while he is much older than high school girls. And also, let's not forget, he's fucking married. Yeah. Yeah. So Anthony was able to hide right in plain sight. He had formed and was able to maintain a, quote, nice guy persona that everyone bought and believed was real. Mm. Like wolf in sheep's clothing, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because he he does look very unassuming. I mean, again, serial killers are that way, aren't they? Or they wouldn't have victims. Well, absolutely. I mean, if everybody looked as evil as they actually are. Yeah. I'm just, I'm always reminded of that quote in the the Peacock thing about John Wayne Gacy. Oh, yeah. Was it just called Gacy? Devil in Disguise? I was going to say Devil in Disguise, yeah. Yeah, and the one guy said, you know, because when people found out what he was actually doing and they're like, but look at him. And he he said he had talked to his mom about it because he was really good friends with Gacy growing up. And it it killed him that his friend was a serial killer or whatever. And he's like, I wanted my mom. Like, yeah. you know, I wanted her to comfort me. And he's like, I just don't understand how he could do this. Like, he seemed so nice and everybody liked him and, you know, all this stuff. And she said, whoever told you evil was ugly. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I mean, that's the lie, right? Like, right. if everything that was evil or horrible for you, it, I mean, it's just like, you know, addiction. If somebody told you this is going to ruin your whole life, you would be like, okay, maybe I'm not going to do it. But it seems right. fun. It's, you know, like, like this guy, he seems really nice. Everybody, everybody talks to him. We all trust him. Like he's got kids in the area. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's got a pretty stable job. Mm-hmm. And like, or I if know everybody, his sister. Yeah, if everybody looked like Christopher Lloyd and Dennis the Menace, mm-hmm. that was evil. We might have some, you know, exactly some indication. Like, well, let's not get near that guy. Mm-hmm. But, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. 15-year-old Lori Lee Tremblay lived in the Whitfield apartment complex and Lori had been walking or waking up earlier than normal since school had started to get ready for her day. She would leave her family's apartment, go through the complex, through the main gate of, of the parking lot, and she took a right, walked along the Whittington or Whittington Boulevard. About a quarter mile later, she made a left and walked down South Dairy Ashford Road. A quarter of a mile down that road, she came to the corner of Derry Ashford and Westella Drive, and that's where she would wait for the Houston Metro bus. That would be her first bus of two buses that she took on her way to school for the day. She did not know that Anthony Allen Shore lived nearby, though. Hmm. So Shore worked for Southwestern Bell at the time as either a marketing or service rep. He worked for both positions at the company, but he wasn't able to recall which one he was doing at that time. And this is in 1986. This was before he had his service van and he drove a white and beige Cadillac Cimarron, which is basically like a station or a big generic sedan. So many days when he went to work, he saw Lori waiting at her bus stop. 
Some days he would see her walking towards the bus stop and he would stop and talk to her and he would offer her cigarettes. And eventually... She's 15. Hey. Would it? Everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. That's what Anthony Allen Shore would say. Yep. So eventually Shore offered her a ride and she accepted. And according to Shore's confession, these rides became a regular thing and developed into an inappropriate, quote, relationship. Then Lori stops accepting rides from him and she started avoiding him altogether when he was around. Uh, tell me you were sexually assaulting this girl without telling me you were sexually assaulting <laughs> this girl. Stop yeah. calling it an inappropriate quote, quote, relationship. She was obviously very uncomfortable around him, which is why she avoided him altogether. Mm-hmm. This was not something that she was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get with this older dude. And now I'm just, I just don't want to do that anymore. That's not oh, what dude. happened. And look at the way that he presented it. He was gaining her trust. Yep. Hey, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit. And he, I mean, he spent some time on her. Exactly. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So on September 26, 1986, it was misting, kind of light rain, Mr. Drizzles, if you will. <laughs> oh. As Lori walked to the bus stop and she saw Shore and asked for a ride and he gave it to her. And according to Shore, they drove around and then he began to pressure Lori into having sex. When she refused, he sprang on her and began to choke her. He used a cotton cord as a ligature and wrapped it around Lori's neck. He strangled her, pulling the cord so hard that it cut his fingers. Jeez. He then drove to a nearby Mexican restaurant and he left her body behind it. Lori's body was found fairly quickly. Police were completely perplexed because Lori hadn't been robbed or sexually assaulted. She only had enough money on her for a one-way bus ride. And everyone that rode that bus with her said that they never heard anything about her catching a ride with anyone. So while they did receive a few tips, none of them mentioned Anthony Allen Shore 
With no solid leads, Lori's case unfortunately went cold and unsolved for years. After Lori's murder, Anthony's sister Gina began to visit the family periodically when she earned her bachelor's degree. Or after she did. So after a few visits, she was convinced that Anthony was molesting his oldest daughter, Amber, who was around five years old at the time. When she was there, Anthony insisted on bathing Amber himself and always kissed her on the lips and generally ignored many father-daughter boundaries. When Gina went back home to share her concerns with her mom, her mom didn't believe her. She told Gina to call CPS if she was that concerned. And Gina did, but guess what CPS did not do? Return any calls. Oh, are they supposed to do that? Maybe she didn't ask them to, but I, mean, I thought I thought so. My feeling on that is if it's important enough, they'll call back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Sure, so, sure. It's like this, you know, she wants to file a complaint, but if she really wants to, she'll call again. And I didn't hear from her again, so I guess it's fine. Yeah. How bad was it if she didn't even call back? Yeah, exactly. But you know, this also reminds me of, if you've never listened to us before, we're being incredibly sarcastic. Um, This also reminds me of the Menendez brothers case. Mm. You know, Jose would always bathe them. Yeah. They're like 15 years old. He would go in with them to take their showers. Mm -hmm. Not normal. No, that's inappropriate. I mean, I have heard of children getting in the shower with their dad. You know, if it's like a little boy, they get in their shower, the shower with their dad. It's like, okay, we'll just go ahead and mm-hmm. do it all together. Yeah. But that's when they're three, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like at this point, I don't change in front of the boys. I mean, obviously, like I, I still will help them get dressed and stuff like that. Like Ben is six, but he can shower by himself. I get it going for him. He goes in there, he showers. I help him dry off because he barely dries himself and then he'll get his clothes all wet, you know, like whatever. But you know, when he's 15, I don't think I'm going to be in there when he's doing that. Right. And we don't come from a family. Maybe when we were little bitty, we would kiss our parents on the lips, Mm -hmm. but that does not happen. It hasn't happened for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that by itself is not that, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. be that weird, but coupled with other things, that's when it makes, it shows it's red flags, you know? Yeah. It was, I mean, it was enough that like, and Gina, Gina, was, Gina knows his history. Mm-hmm. She knows well, she that was he's, the one that was mm-hmm. being used as a um, bait. A bait. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she's seen him. She knows that he's a a sexual predator, and he and has been since he was little. Has a propensity for young girls. Yes, a hundred percent. So Gina visits again, and she said that a lot of things that she thought were signs of abuse before had stopped, but she did notice that there was no food in the house, but she didn't want to interfere. And she said, quote, it felt very strange to me, but every woman has the right to run her own house. I wouldn't interfere. I got to say, if I went to your house and your kids had no food, I would not be able to hold my tongue. Mm -mm. Be like, what are you doing? Where's all the money going? Are Mm -hmm. you going to feed these children? Yeah. Did you not have a chance to get to the grocery store this week? Right. Well, and it would be one thing if it was just you, right? Like if you're if you're not eating for whatever reason, I don't think that I would press it. But when it's kids that have no way of helping getting, themselves. Yeah, getting food for themselves. Yeah. That's when you, something got to be wrong there. Mm-hmm. On April 16th, 1992, Anthony Shore was driving his van when he spotted 21-year-old Maria del Carmen Estrada. 
Maria was walking to a bus stop for work in the early morning, and she did that every day. Even though she was 21, Maria looked young for her age, so Shore tried to lure her into his van. (laughs) Even though she was 21, like, 21 is not young enough for him. He is disgusting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He passed by once and talked to her briefly, then came back again and talked talked Maria into getting into the van. They drove away and Shore began to force himself on Maria and she fought back, but he overpowered her and he used a nylon cord with a stick as a tourniquet to strangle Maria to death. So basically he's creating a garrote, right? Absolutely a garrote, yeah. Yeah. He then dumped her body behind a Dairy Queen and Maria was found four hours later. She was naked from the waist down and had been sexually assaulted. But what Shore didn't know was that when she fought back, she got his skin cells and DNA under her fingernails. Investigators, I know. Ah! Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Investigators took her nail clippings and sent them to the crime lab. They swapped them for DNA and ran it against their system, but there were no hits and Maria's murder went unsolved as well. But good on them for fucking sending that in in 1992. Dude, that's what I always say. I mean. Just the fact that they are like, might not be able to use it now, mm-hmm. but we better get on this. Exactly. Like, don't throw it away. We could use it later. Because we've heard stories all across the board. And I just, I love this kind of, um, this kind of police work. Good, yeah. good for them. These are officers that want to They're do their, their job. job right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And I live for that. Yes. After that, Anthony went back to his regular life like absolutely nothing happened. His personal life fell apart within a year, though. And he and Gina divorced. And Gina gave him sole custody because she wanted to move in with her boyfriend. What is wrong with people? That's fucked up. What is wrong with people? Her kids were going to be... And, and you know, again, because I actually kind of forgot that at this time he was married to mm-hmm. Gina because, well, his person... Well, the things that he's doing in his free time mm-hmm. don't really yeah. lend to I'm a married man with two children. Yeah. So the girls not having food, the girls being molested is not got- just on mm-hmm. Anthony. Right. Gina's yeah. got a lot of responsibility in that as well. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. She wants to just completely restart and have her new family. And she's like, eh, whatever, you can keep the kids. Mm-hmm. Tiffany said that through the divorce, they argued about who would have to take the kids. And while that was going on, they lived with their mom. And she said that going to see her dad was a fun time because he was easygoing. And when they were told that they would have to move in with him, they were excited. In 1993, Anthony began working as a repairman for the, the phone company. And while working in a neighborhood, he spotted 14-year-old Selma Jansky, and he became infatuated with her. Fuck off. 14. 14. He started to note her schedule and learned when she would come and go, when she would be home alone. He tracked her for quite a while, and then in October of 1993, he knew she would be alone and broke into his family home, or into the family home. He had a disguise to hide his identity, and he attacked Selma as soon as she walked in. He bound her with duct tape and raped her as she screamed and cried. He didn't try to kill Selma, though. After everything, he fled, and Selma wasn't able to make any type of identification because of the disguise he used. Investigators didn't connect Selma's rape to Lori and Maria because she wasn't murdered, Mm -hmm. simply. Like, it didn't kind of fit the MO of what they were thinking. Dude, this kind of stuff scares me so much because, like— People casing you? Well, yeah, and, like, you know, we both work from home. And so typically, if you're going to have something worked on, you know, like we're getting our AC replaced on Friday. So there's going to be, you know, three guys from the AC company coming in and doing that, which we, I mean, I love this company. I trust these people. But like when you hear stuff like this, you're just like, 
yeah, I'm home alone when a repairman comes by. Right. You know, I don't know. It's just like, cause there are plenty of people who have used that as their in or disguise or whatever. Oh, absolutely. I definitely feel a little bit more vulnerable working from home, Mm -hmm. but I will say right this very second, I'm in an apartment complex and as much as I can hear my upstairs neighbors, I know if I started screaming, somebody would, (laughs) would hear me because I don't think it's incredibly well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I'm the soundproofed type of idiot who I'm scared when I live around people because I'm like, it's an apartment complex. Like anybody could just break in, you know, like whatever. There's a lot of people around. And then I'm scared when I'm out in the country because I'm like, if I scream, nobody would hear me. Like I'm not safe anywhere. (laughs) There's always a reason to be scared is what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. If you really want it, you'll find a reason. Mm -hmm. You're like the person version of my dog, Dolly Parton. That's true, honestly. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You are not a big, brave dog. No, not at all. So by this time, uh, Anthony's girls, Tiffany and Amber, had been living with their father for a while. Amber has pretty much stayed out of the spotlight and very rarely, if ever, talks to media. But Tiffany has spoken about their time with their father in a few different like documentaries, and she's pretty outspoken about it. And there is one episode of um, Evil Lives Here that she kind of mm-hmm. heads up. It's, it's from her perspective, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It was a good episode um, as far as just, it was very informative. Yeah. You know, it is so sad. It's heartbreaking. So tragic. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. But she said that the conditions were terrible in the home, that Anthony made them share bathwater and he restricted the amount of toilet paper that they could use. And he said it was just to save money. She said they didn't have a washing machine, so they hand-washed all their clothes in the bathtub. And Tiffany said that there was hardly ever food and bugs completely infested the house. She said they would routinely find cockroaches in their cereal or ants in the peanut butter. Mm-mm. And, I mean, she also said that he would cook himself a steak because he worked for this food. Yes. He was allowed to have a good meal, but he would make them have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Meanwhile, the peanut butter is infested with ants. I mean, they could get a job if they really want right? steak. Yeah. Like, your daughter is, let's say, nine. What's she going to do? Exactly. Yeah, to hold that over a kid's head. Well, mm-hmm. I worked for this. Exactly. Okay, well, it's actually your responsibility to work for all of us. Uh, 100%. And guess what? It wasn't like they weren't doing anything around the house. He made them clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... As best they could. Right. With the little amount of water that they were allowed to use and who knows if soap was available. But Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they were living for free. Do you know what I mean? Even if they were, they still are owed food. Yeah. He's treating them like freeloaders, like they are grown adults who are living in his house rent-free and not helping with the grocery bill. Right. Like, (laughs) they're his children. How do you do that to little kids? Yeah. I just don't. And like... You know, they have to share bathwater, like you said. We don't even know if soap was available. Their hygiene was not good. They mm-hmm. they smelled bad. You know, she said it was not easy to be the kid who smells. You know, like you never want to be that kid. And their clothes were very, very dirty. Other kids, of course, commented on this, that their clothes were dirty, that they smelled bad. You know, kids made fun of them. Mm-hmm. And she said they were essentially raising each other. And these are both children. She said that when he would leave, 
He would lock them in the house and even nail the windows shut in their rooms, and he told them it was to keep them safe from everyone outside. Meanwhile, the real threat is living in the house with them. Yeah, and of course, what's he doing while he's got them locked in? He's out, like, cruising for victims. Mm -hmm. But he's keeping them safe by (sighs) nailing things shut. Keeping them inside of a house that is completely infested with bugs where they don't have access to food. Or clean water, I would venture to say. Yeah. Okay. She said he ruled with an iron fist and would hit and spank them frequently. She said that he would pick them up by their hair and carry them around the house that way. And he told them that if they cried, he would smother them with a pillow. Mm-mm. So it, and she said it didn't matter how hard it hurt or how bad it hurt. If he was doing something to you and it, it was very painful, you made no noise. You learned to completely 100% suppress your feelings. Because it would just get worse. I mean, he he literally said he would smother you if you showed any emotion. Hmm. And she talks about, you know, later just being in therapy. And she seems very, very well adjusted considering what has happened to her. It sounds like she has a very, very good therapy protocol in place. But what that does to a child, suppress everything that you feel, make no noise. You're not allowed to act like anything hurts you or bothers you. You're supposed to just be happy-go-lucky all the time. Mm-hmm. And just take it. Just take the abuse. Horrific. Oh, absolutely. One thing he would do, though, is allow the girls to have friends over on the weekends. I wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, he encouraged them to play rock band. and Which is not the kind of rock band that you might be thinking of. It wasn't the video game. Oh, yeah, exactly. This is like playing like they're a rock band, like for pretend. Be Spice Girls. Yeah, something like that. And everybody knows that if you play something like that where you're pretending to be in a band, you have to dress very provocatively and you have to dance around for your friend's dad (laughs) at his house. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. He would watch the girls while they danced and eventually he would set his sights on his own daughter's. Tiffany said that she woke several times to her father in her room watching her and he's touching himself. Mm. And she said she would just not respond to it at all. She would just pretend like it wasn't happening, hoping that like he would go away. Yeah. She said when she was 10 years old, they played a card game, which was a drinking game. 10. I'm just pointing out the fact that. (laughs) Oh. She's 10 and they're playing a drinking game. Yeah. Uh, Yes, exactly. And so he's giving her alcohol and of course she gets super drunk and she said she passed out and when she woke up, she was completely nude and Anthony was molesting her. Not at all safe in your own home. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not that they felt safe and secure before this. Right. But the fact that he could take it even further, his own children. Yeah. I mean, this is a... This guy is amoebas on fleas on rats. Absolutely. And the fact that Gina said, you take the girls. Yeah, because you know she had to have at least picked up on something. I mean, I would think. Well, it's hard for me to say. Yes, I I believe that there had to, you know, like even in just evil lives here, they're like, but there had been signs, right? Mm -hmm. I don't doubt that there were signs. But she wasn't mother of the year 
as far as I'm concerned. So. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you knew that this was an unhealthy and unsafe environment for your children. And you're like, yeah, but I have a new boyfriend and like, I don't want to, um, like, those kids are going to like style. Start my style. <gasps> Get oh out of here. Gosh. Yeah. So you take them. They'll be fine. Yeah. They'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. I'm so, and here's the thing. Like we've talked about all kinds of cases, all kinds of them. Different things affect different people in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we put trigger warnings. Child molestation by their parents is something that makes me sick to my stomach. Yes. There are a lot of things that make me sick to my stomach. This one is high up there for me. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just don't understand it. At all. I mean, it's... Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It was around this time that Tiffany and Amber were called into the principal's office at school and they were asked about their home life and if they were being molested. And Tiffany was like, I don't know what Amber said. She's like, but I lied because I was afraid of what my dad would do if he found out that we told them what was really happening. I mean, she definitely feared more abuse. Of being, uh-huh, yeah, possibly of being, being killed even. Yeah. She assumed that her sister did the same thing, but CPS had an investigation opened and they started to make home visits. Tiffany and Amber had told their father though, and he knew which days they would be coming. On those days, he had the girls clean the house so it's completely spotless. He would put food in the oven so that the house would smell really good when you walked in. It would like cover up some of these other smells. And then he was coaching them on what to say and how to answer questions when they talked to the CPS worker. And of course, it's all just a show to make it look like everything's going okay. And the girls went along with him because they were terrified of what he would do if they didn't. Because the scariest thing when something like this happens or when there's, you know, police officer come to your house for a call about domestic abuse or something. Mm-hmm. If that person isn't carted right off to jail and stay in jail, you're getting yes. it when they get out. Yeah. Guess how bad it's going to get. Exactly. When they leave. And so the fear of what if, what if I tell them all of this and they still don't take us away from him or they still don't do anything to protect us. And then we're just left with him. Then right. what? Yeah. No. It's the scariest and most dangerous time. Absolutely. At this point, Tiffany was convinced that the only way to get out of the situation was to die. Mm. That is absolutely heartbreaking. Right. Absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, she's very young. I mean, she's maybe a teenager, but still, like, that's so young. It's just awful. 
And she said that she actually did attempt suicide by taking a lot of aspirin, but it didn't work. So she locked herself in the bathroom with a knife and her plan was to slit her wrist. Amber, her sister, told their dad. And he said that if she tried that and didn't succeed, that they would get split up. They'd be put into a terrible foster home situation. You know, they wouldn't be able to see each other. Like it would be even worse for them. Like, you have no idea what these foster parents are going to do to you. You won't even be in the same house with your sister anymore. I just can't believe that he had the audacity. Now, I can understand how being like, you're not going to, you're going to get split up. That is a legitimate, that would be a legitimate concern for the girls, right? Mm -hmm. Because they only have each other and they needed each other as a rock for this situation. But for him to have put them in literally the worst situation they've ever been in in their entire lives, and this is the entirety of their lives, he has made this a living hell for them. To be like, you're going to have a really bad situation if you leave. And it's like, bitch, we're at rock bottom. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, that fear of the unknown. What if it mm-hmm. does get worse than this? Right. Just horrible. And CPS was called several times about the Shore House. And every time Anthony gave his best performance ever. And they were just like, meh, looks fine to me. Yeah. Close the case. I mean, he's cooking a pot roast. <laughs> he's got an apron that says, kiss the cook. I mean, what a... Yeah. Looks great to me. I mean, if they really need food, they could just like go get a job. I don't, again, I don't understand what the problem is here. Like it, entitled children is what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Fuck off with, I just, I'm, so- I just, I can't imagine that like if they find out CPS is coming and even if they clean the house really well, if your entire home is infested with cockroaches and bugs and all this kind of stuff, like, is CPS not instructed to look at the food situation? Like, did he right. go to the grocery store and buy a week's worth of groceries for this visit? Like, well, and at this point, if you are conducting an, an investigation, are they telling him, hey, we'll be back next Tuesday? Or um, are they just yeah. showing up? And also... If you're called to the same house that many times by teachers, neighbors, family members, all this stuff, there's something going on. Like, do your due diligence. Don't just peek in and be like, everything looks fine here. Right. It's awful. Mm -hmm. But I just wonder, like, if there's that many bugs in their house on a regular basis and all of their clothes are dirty and they are dirty, again, are... Yeah, how much advance notice are they getting to make it seem like this is a normal, healthy environment? But like, are all the bugs gone from your house and then the next day they just come back? Like, where did the bu- uh, you know? Like, yeah, it's not like they can just all go away, I would think. Yeah, I have no idea. In August of 1994, nine-year-old Diana Rebeler, maybe, sure. was walking down the road to get some flour and sugar. Her mom had asked her to run down and get it for her from the store. And she made it to the small local grocery store. And employees said they remembered seeing Diana leave the store safely, but she never made it home. As she was walking, Shore approached in his van and coaxed her in. He then beat, sexually assaulted, and strangled nine-year-old Diana. And again, nobody deserves, no, no matter what age you are, nobody deserves to have this happen. But she was nine, nine. years old. Oh, my gosh. She was found the next day on a loading dock behind an industrial building with a tourniquet around her neck. Diana's case was linked to Maria's because of the MO and the use of the tourniquet. In July of 1995, 16-year-old Dana Sanchez called her boyfriend one evening to tell him that she was going to be hitchhiking to his house. The person she accepted a ride from was Anthony Shore. 
He tried to force himself on her, and when she rejected him, he attacked, raping and strangling her. Her body was not immediately found. Seven days after her disappearance, a local TV station got a phone call from an anonymous caller who told them where they could find her and that there was a serial killer operating in the area. And of course, it was Shore. He can't handle not getting all the attention and the credit. Yeah. After Dana's body was found, Mm -hmm. a task force was formed to try to find the tourniquet killer. With very little progress being made, though, the task force was disbanded and Shore was free to do whatever he wanted. In 1997, he married Amy Lynch, who he'd been dating for three years since she was 18. Exactly. He made arrangements with Deanna, his mom, to send the girls to her for the summer so they could get married. (sighs) Best thing that ever happened to these girls. 100%. 100%. I'm just not really understanding how parents can feel this way. I mean, thank God he was so selfish that he was like, get these kids out of here because I Mm want to get married and have my honeymoon phase with my new, you know, teenage girlfriend or wife. Yeah, I need an entire summer for this. Right. Yeah. But I'm just not understanding the Mm -mm. lack of concern or care about your fucking children. Yeah. So they flew from Houston to Sacramento and Deanna was shocked to see the girls. She said they were wearing big, baggy, dirty clothes, three layers deep. Their hair was greasy and dirty. They smelled really bad. He sent them with no clothes to change into and no toiletries at all. No brush, no toothbrush, no, like, no nothing. Mm -mm. And she was like, you know, I knew something was wrong. And Tiffany explained that they wore multiple layers because they wanted to hide their developing bodies from their father. They wanted to appear as unappealing to their own father as humanly possible. The fact that a child has to think about that. Yes. And take steps to not look desirable to your own. To your father. Father. I cannot. Deanna brought up her concerns with her daughter, Gina, and they decided to see if splitting up the girls would help them get uh, get through to them. Now, here's the thing that I don't understand. And what upsets me, maybe it's like a mom being like, you know what? I, I know my son and he would never do this. When Gina brought it up to her initially, she was like, no. Absolutely not possible. Yeah. If you're that worried, then just call the police. Call mm-hmm. CPS, whatever. It just kind of burns my, it really shrinks my hat that she's yeah. all of a sudden super good. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm like, I mean, if somebody came to me and they were like, Tori's a murderer, I'd be like, I fucking know it. <laughs> be like, you know what? Now that I think about it, I bet you're right. <laughs> I bet she's even worse. I know. Yeah. yeah. Just worse than but, still, murderer, but yeah, exactly. Like, no. Yeah. She just had this absolute refusal to believe it. And I don't know what her dynamic is with Gina, but ignorance can be bliss, but when you're talking about your grandchildren's safety, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's so frustrating to me, but thank God yeah. they are gung-ho about it now. So Tiffany went to stay with Gina for a little while, and her aunt told her that when school started, they were going to have Amber come stay with, uh, come stay there while Tiffany went back to her father's. Why? Tiffany broke down immediately. She was mortified at the thought of going back to her dad's without her sister, and she ends up telling Gina everything. Yeah, I think they were just trying to, because when they were together, they both would like kind of, I mean, they 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 were still trying to keep it a secret because again, they were scared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, they were like, we're going to have to do something to get them talking. About yeah, because we happening. really feel like something is going on, but we need them to tell us. Yeah. 
When she called Deanna back to tell her what Tiffany said, Amber confirmed everything. Later, when Anthony was on trial, prosecutors were meeting with Amber. They were going over all the questions they were going to be asked and just wanted to make sure that she was comfortable with talking about everything that happened when she was younger. And as they were doing that, they worked through each question and the prosecutor remembered that Amber was being so brave about the entire thing. Mm. She answered every question, even though it had to have been super painful for her. She Mm -hmm. talked about being raped and humiliated and scorned and degraded by her own father. Mm -hmm. When they talked about Tiffany, Amber lit up. She talked about how smart and beautiful Tiffany was and that she was much more of a people person. And when the prosecutor asked Amber why she finally told someone what their father was doing, she said, quote, because it didn't matter what he was doing to me. I'm nothing, but I couldn't let him do that to my sister. She's different and she's special and I had to protect her. That is, oh my God. I know it can make you cry, honestly. Yeah. Deanna called Anthony and he, of course, denied everything. The girls were terrified that nothing would come of this and that when they would have to go back home, their father would hurt them. Deanna took them to the police and they reported the abuse and Shore was arrested for child molestation. But guys, get ready. Get Open your windows. Open your windows right now. Open yeah. them. He pleaded no contest to two counts of indecency with the child and guess what he received? Eight years probation. <laughs> He was put on the sex offenders list, but he did not have any jail time. Probation. Probation. For molesting his daughters for years. Mm -hmm. My God. After pleading no contest. Yeah. Since he was now a registered sex offender, he had to submit his DNA to the CODIS database. And Anthony, Anthony, Amy has -hmm. since said that around that time, he confided to her that he was hesitant to submit his DNA. He did and moved on with his wife. Wow. He moved on with his wife, but also his life. Yes. While Tiffany and Amber began to see a therapist and started working on their mental well-being. In 2003, the Houston Crime Lab had a scandal emerge that saw the facility close until 2006. The Houston DNA Lab was shut down shortly after a state audit found that DNA technicians there had misinterpreted data. They were poorly trained and they kept ridiculously shoddy records. I mean. What the hell? Mm -hmm. This is not the kind of job that you can just be like, meh, who cares? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. If you want that kind of job, then find a job that is okay with that. Yeah, where you can be like, I guess. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I mean, who really cares if we get an actual accurate answer here? Mm -hmm. Like, this is ridiculous. So in many cases, the technicians used up all the available evidence, making it impossible for defense experts to refute or verify their results. After this audit, several old cold cases were sent out to independent labs to have the DNA testing performed again. One of those cases was Maria del Carmen Estrada. The nail clippings were sent out to get DNA from. After those results were entered into CODIS, they got a hit. Six years after being convicted of molesting his daughters, Anthony Allen Shore was a perfect match for the DNA taken from Maria's fingernails. There was no reason, absolutely no reason, for his DNA to be there unless he was her killer. But what is so frustrating is that this is six years after he's convicted of molesting his daughters, which means he walked around mm-hmm. for those free on the streets years. for yeah. those six years because he got no jail time for that. Well, and if we're if he would have actually been on probation for the entirety of those eight years in two years time, he wouldn't even have to report to anybody. Mm -hmm. Not that that helped at all, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 
On October 24th, 2003, he was arrested. 11 hours into his interrogation, Shore confessed to killing Maria. He also confessed to Diana Rebelar and Dana Sanchez. Unprovoked, he also confessed to the 1987 murder of Lori Tremblay and the 1994 rape of Selma Jansky. They said that throughout his confession, he spoke as if he was an outsider just watching it happen. <sighs> that is so frustrating to me. Uh, like, if you're gonna, like, he literally kind of talked about it like, like he was watching a movie or something. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't do this. It just, it happened. Well, and that completely takes away the responsibility that he had to face himself. Yeah, exactly. Back in California, Tiffany got a call from Amber who said, quote, hey, dad's a serial killer. That's a tough call. Even though they knew he was an absolute piece of garbage. Right. I mean, they knew he was a horrific person because of what he did to them. It never occurred to them that he'd killed anybody. Well, and I think that for them, based on what I got from the Evil Lives Here episode, they kind of thought that it was just happening to, until they figured out it was happening to both of them, they thought it was just happening to one of them, whoever it was that you're talking to, right? Uh-huh. And I don't think that they that they fathomed that it could be outside of this. And, you know, that's very common because, I mean, that's another thing that is reminiscent of the Menendez brothers' case. Mm-hmm. They both thought it was only happening to themselves. And when Lyle found out that it was happening to Eric, that's whenever all the shit hit the fan. Right. Ugh. I mean, so sad. So by this time, Amber had moved back to Texas and Tiffany thought she was joking. And Amber told her to find a TV and watch it because it was all over the news. And Tiffany was in absolute shock. She could not believe it. And she said initially she thought Amber was just joking, but unfortunately she wasn't. Before his trial, he um, had a chance, or before his trial had a chance to come around, Shore attempted to take a bunch of sleeping pills and kill himself in November of 2003. He was unsuccessful, and his trial started in October of 2004. The prosecution wanted to take him to court on the best case they had, which was Maria del Carmen Estradas. Yeah. So that was the case that they had the DNA evidence, and they felt that it was their best chance to get a guilty verdict. Well, and he has absolutely no reason. He has denied knowing her in any way, shape, or form. There is no reason his DNA is under her fingernails. Right. The trial went on and Shore was found guilty. The jury wasn't told that he was a serial killer until the sentencing phase. The prosecution brought out all of the evidence from all other of the other murders. Selma Jansky testified that Shore was the man who raped her. Shore spoke and asked the court to give him the death penalty. On November 15th, 2004, after an hour of deliberations, the jury recommended that he be put to death. Gina, Shore's sister, has said that she feels that, quote, without a doubt, there are more there had to have been other girls. Absolutely. Yes. After he arrived on death row in Texas, Shore tried unsuccessfully to have his conviction overturned, filing appeal after appeal, claiming everything from ineffective lawyers to previously undiagnosed brain damage from a 1981 car wreck. The courts denied all his appeals. And on January 18th, 2018, Anthony Allen Shore was executed by lethal injection. Before his execution, he said, Quote, I made my peace. And his final words as he was injected was, quote, ooh-wee, I can feel that. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what to do with that information. (laughs) I don't either. I don't like it. Rob, Anthony's dad, said that he planned to stay home when Anthony was executed. Gina and her mom said they might take a moment to remember him, but not fondly. 
Laurel, Anthony's other sister, said, quote, he should be killed. He was a good brother, but he's not a good person. Tiffany said that she would treat it like any other day. She said, quote, honestly, I have a biology lab and calculus that day, so I'm going to go to school. Maybe I'll see a movie later if I have free time. Good for you, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. And again, she talks a lot in that Evil Lives Here about, um, wait, I don't think I watched Evil Lives Here because I'm too scared of the thing. Oh. I watched... Well- I watched I Lived with a Killer. In The Evil Lives Here, he had not been executed yet. So she was like, they, when she talks about it, they were waiting for him to be executed. And she was like, I wish they would just kind of hurry up and do it already because it would, yeah. form, it would give her some kind of closure. Exactly. Yeah, it would close that chapter. But she talks a lot about um, therapy. She just really, really seems like she has done a lot of work. And like trauma work is hard work to do. Oh my gosh, because you have to go back and kind of relive it to mm-hmm. process it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really tough work. So I just commend her. Yeah, commend her um, and Amber and just everything that they've been through. And I mean, they are, seems like they both just come out of it the other side, just in a good place, which is incredible to see. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm so proud of them. And I hope to God that they just have the most amazing rest of their lives. Absolutely. But guys, that's it. That's it. Yeah. It's a rough one, man. Yeah. Not uh, not fun. What an a-hole. But you know what we like to do with serial killers? We don't want to give them a fun name. No. So not fun, but you know what I mean? Those like romanticized kind of like, ooh, that seems mysterious. Like the tourniquet killer. Right. Like, um, let's uh, let's take it to Instagram and and we'll take a poll. Give him another, give him another name. What would your name be? And um Yeah. I will share your responses. Anthony Allen Whore. Okay. That's a good one. I'm going to keep thinking, but that's a placeholder for now for me. Yep. I got to keep thinking too. I I knew I was going to do this and I didn't even think of one myself. So. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We love you so much and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys, before we go today, you know what time it is. Shout out time. It's shout out time. It's shout out time. Um, yeah, so hey girl, thanks to Katie, Taylor Brandon, Holly Leppelt, Ashley Belden, Rachel Harley, Delaney Fay, Justine White, Jackie Lane, Teresa Peretti, Brittany Nicole, Shayna Taylor, L. Domini, Marissa Rossetti, Ricky Lee Frazier, Liv Kelly, Brittany Stokely, Bree Ketchum, Tina Tarver, Denise Solis, Morgan McQueen, Mallory Pickert, Josh Cranmer, Effie Percy, Katie, Nikki Brand, Lydia Mohan, Jamie Barkas, Megan McFarland, Cameron Howard, Amelia Fletcher, Jessica Marin, Lindsay, Brianna Friesner, Nora Boulet, Megan Souter, Macy Moyer, Mallory Meeks, Stacy G, Brooke McAuliffe, Caitlin Brooks, Kaylee Harden, Serena Davenport, Ashley Cypress, Jesse McKee, Sydney Lowry, Amy Des Rochers, Des Rocher, like the Ferrero Rocher, Rebecca Baldwin, Anna Dupree, and Ashley Almendarez, I think. Yay! Yay! Thank you guys so much. So these are some of our newest patrons. If you want us to fuck your name up at the end of an episode, definitely join our uh, $10 or higher tears yeah i mean guys it's what a time to be alive we can just fuck it right up yeah absolutely 
Yes. Thank you guys. We love you. Love you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.